Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store for you. As you know, on Monday nights at six o'clock central, I do a mini BFF book club on my Insta story. All It started during quarantine. All I do is read a picture book out loud from six to about 620. It saves on my IGTV if you ever want to go back and watch it later. And it was just something I was doing for my friends, kids, and it stuck around even though I'm not quarantined to my house anymore full time and we are not all staying at home quite as much as we were. So it's every Monday night at 6 p.m. and you can go watch it at Annie F. Downs. Well, a couple of months ago, one of you guys actually mailed me a book called Different, a story about loving your neighbor. And it's by an author named Chris Singleton. And I really loved the book. In fact, it just came out this summer. I loved it so much. I did a little research on Chris. I learned some incredible things about his life. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. It honors him and his family, his mom, and just a lot of people that have led him to where he is today. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with author and speaker, Chris Singleton. Okay, we're going. This is the best part, Chris, of having someone who already does a lot of speaking and who has done a lot of broadcasting. And you're like, let's just go. Let's just do it. Exactly. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. I got to tell you a rule about the That Sounds Fun podcast to prep you about what is about to happen is that we only have two kinds of people on the show. It is only people that I'm already friends with or people that I want to be friends with. So (laughs) you've kind of gotten yourself in a situation now. I'm glad. I'd love to be friends with you as well. So I'm happy to be in that list. (laughs) This is what happens. Okay. Do you know how I got a copy of your kid's book, Different? No, I don't. I remember you. I mean, obviously, I I watched you when you were live, but I don't know how you got it. I someone I don't know either. Some friend of ours who is, uh, I assume, a fan of yours and a fan of mine just mailed it to me. Wow. I know. Okay. And so I just got it in the mail one day. And as I and I read through it and I thought, oh, this is a perfect book for mini BFF book club for what I read it for on a Monday night. And I just it. Talk to me for just a second about how you've seen that book go out into the world, because what a what a what a God orchestrated connecting moment. Yeah, well, well, for first and foremost, when I decided to write a children's book, I had no clue what I was doing or how it would happen. And I just asked a million questions to a million people, got connected with the right people and said, this is what I want to do. I want to have a story about unity, about, you know, love of bringing people together despite their differences. Mm. And, and that's when we came up with this story. And I think it started to really take off when uh, there were some pretty, I guess, famous influencers that were you know, sharing my book, uh, whether it's online or just to their email database. Mm-hmm. And I had no clue. My goal with the book was just to get it to a thousand families, right? That was my goal. Oh, that's the goal you set was get it to a thousand families. Yep, that was the only thing I wanted was a thousand wow. families, and I was I was hopeful that you know those thousand families would share it with their cousins or something, so yeah. maybe we could trickle in a couple more. But I remember me wake uh, waking up the next morning, and I think we had like fifteen hundred in the first like six hours it was on on sale, and I was like, man, this is taking off way more than I could have ever imagined. So yeah, it's going well. I think we're at thirteen thousand now, oh, and it's been gosh. three four months. Oh, that is unbelievable. I mean, what made you decide to want to write a kid's book in the first place? What made that the way you wanted to tell this story? 
Yes. So I I usually travel and and speak about unity, um, speak about bringing people together of different uh, cultures, religions, you know, backgrounds, skin colors, whatever it may be. And I usually talk about that while telling my story about my mom being, you know, taken away in a racially motivated mass shooting. And in doing so, I always talk about the pain that I felt. And and I want to share this message with the kids, but I didn't know how to share that message without taking away their their innocence of, you know, telling them about my mom being murdered. And so that's where we came up with the the children's book idea. Um, And then, you know, things just kept rolling after that. I want to hear more about your mom. Will you tell us more about her? Of course. She was uh, 45 years young when she was taken away from us here on earth, but uh, she was a, a very lively spirit. She was a smiling, a smiling. She was a smiling person. She was a hugger. Right? I always mm-hmm. say if my mom was alive right now, she'd be going crazy because she's the kind of person that hugs you for no reason. So COVID <laughs> would, would definitely have her in a weird space. Yeah. But that's who she was. And she was my the provider for our family, the protector. And she placed my faith in my Christianity and teaching me about Jesus on me like a blanket, right? She taught mm-hmm. that to me at a young age and uh, my family. And I'm always grateful that I had such a great mom when she was here. And I mean, to connect everybody, to connect the dots for everyone, your mother was at Bible study at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston when the murderer came in and shot people, right? Am I correct that that's the story? Yeah, that's 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 the story. It was uh, June 17, 2015. Uh, my mom was one of nine victims at our church in downtown Charleston where, you know, she they allowed somebody to come in for Bible study and he had a different agenda and wanted to start a race war in this country and took nine lives. So yeah, my mom passed away uh, in that tragic shooting. I mean, it, that has to be, when you think about your life, that phone call, that night, that experience, I mean, is it feels like, you know, your life shifted that day. Yeah, 1,000%. Before my mom was killed, um, the only thing that I wanted to do was play professional baseball and, and buy my mom a Range Rover, right? Those are the only two things that I wanted in life. And yeah. I got, you know, I was fortunate enough to get drafted by the Cubs and play a little bit in the minor leagues. But mainly for me, uh, my, my mission shifted to bringing people together, right? I didn't want anybody else to feel the pain that I felt based on someone being taught the wrong thing about my skin color. I when I read the book, you may remember this. When I read the book, I hadn't researched you. I just read the book and enjoyed it, and I didn't realize that the story about your mom. And I didn't realize that she's the main character, uh, the main adult teacher in the book. Yeah, uh, one of my one of my things I had with my editor David Mouse, who's out in California. He does a an incredible job. You know, David and I talked, and, and I said before we finish this, I, I want to make sure my mom is in the book. Right, I want to mm. make sure she is in the book. And he said, of course, Chris, let's do it. And so, yeah, that's that's the whole reason why I wrote the book was to kind of teach this message for my mom. It was a gift to her as well as to yeah. everyone else. And Is that the church you grew up going to? Yeah. So I moved to Charleston, South Carolina when I was in sixth grade. And okay. I had a great grandfather who was here who went to church there. When we moved, immediately my mom took us to church every Sunday at Mother Emanuel. And di- so of that night or that day when those people were murdered, did you, were they other families and friends that you knew as well? Yeah. Our whole church family. Uh, yeah. I call them family. You know, I, I think out of all all the nine victims, obviously my mom, but the, the other eight were, were very close to me and especially to my mom being that she was a minister in the church. So yeah. um, it definitely hit home more than just for my family, but for our whole church family. Chris, so many people listen to the show today have 
don't have a story like that, but they have stories of why church is hard for them, of why it's hard to go back into a church, why it's hard to be a part of a church. How have you handled your relationship with church after that? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, for me, I, I addressed it head on, so I was very anxious. That seems like who you are. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel like there's two things you can do for most problems: you can run away from them or confront them. Mm. And running away wasn't doing anything for me. So, I uh, had a obviously my, my father passed away a couple of years after my mom. So both of my oh, parents wow. passed away pretty young, and. They had my father's funeral at at Mother Emanuel. Um, I was super anxious there, and it was just a weird, you know, weird day for me. Obviously, my dad passed, but I just felt weird being in the church. And there was an event for the youth at Mother Emanuel, and they said, "Chris, we want you to speak. We want you to share mm-hmm. about your mom." And wow. I said, "This is a perfect way that God's presented an opportunity for me to overcome some of that fear and that anxiety that I have towards the church." And so um, I, I went back. I shared and. And it broke me from those chains of, of feeling like I couldn't get close to Mother Emmanuel anymore. Really? And it was it was very powerful. Um, and, and my wife actually introduced us to our new church called Awaken here in Charleston now that we go to. But it was really powerful for me to be able to step foot in the church again. Yeah. T- tell me about that day. I mean, did it feel immediately better or was it kind of a, oh, wow, this feels like God's doing something here? Or I, I think there's got to be so many people who don't who haven't taken that step into the place yet and, and are scared of that one step even. Yeah. Well, immediately I knew it was a, was an opportunity for me to, to grow because I was so nervous about it. Yeah. And anytime I'm super nervous about something, I feel like, you know, God's tugging on me a little bit. So when I got the opportunity, I said, I'm going to do it. I told my, mm. my, 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 my wife now, my fiance at the time, I said, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And it was, you know, I was super nervous walking in, a little shaky. Yeah. But once I got in there and saw those kids and I started sharing about my mom, uh, I knew it was powerful. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Tell me how you met your wife. Yeah. Me and my wife have been together since high school. So we no are way. high school sweethearts. Yeah. And I think that's, that's you know, dying out right now. But me and my wife, uh, we're fortunate enough to be together for seven years now. I'm 24. My wife's 20, 23. So we've been together for a, a little while. Uh, but we met in high school, you know, dated in college, and then got engaged when I started playing professionally um, and got married actually last year. Actually on live TV. It was a show on live TV. Wait, I did not know this. Y'all got married on television? Yeah, we got married on live TV. Really cool show uh, called My Big Live Wedding with David Tatera. Yeah. It was Super cool. It was 100% free. Uh, wait, wait, so, wait. What made you do this, Chris? What made this the right answer? Well, I mean, me and my wife were engaged. And, you know, ob- obviously when you're planning a wedding, you're trying to, you know, figure out a ton of stuff. My wife is overwhelmed with so much. And I was on the road playing baseball. And yeah. I'm like, baby, you got it. You know, and and I remember I got a direct message from someone saying, hey, Chris, we love your story. We're producing a new show coming out for people that we think deserve a free wedding. Wow. And obviously I'm like, this is fake, right? I saw some, <laughs> um, some random DM on Twitter and I took a phone call and they said, no, Chris, this is real. We're pitching it to these two stations and we want you to be a part of it. Um, just apply and we'll interview you. And, you know, we won. So oh, there it was. Oh my gosh. Can we like Google it and still watch it? Is it on YouTube? I'm sure it's on YouTube. If you just Google like Chris Singleton wedding, oh, you'll see it. It was, it was phenomenal. Oh, that is so fun that <laughs> you got married on TV. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about baseball? Because I don't know that you know this about me, but I am a 
huge baseball fan and are like I follow a lot of my Vanderbilt players here in Nashville. I follow a lot of those guys because they go to our church and they're like little brothers to me. So I've I've lived the minor league career multiple times <laughs> with these guys. <laughs> so tell me about being drafted and where you ended up in the minors and kind of walk me through that. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Vanderbilt. I actually just spoke to their basketball team last week with uh, Coach Stackhouse, yeah. which was a lot of fun. Aren't they great? That was awesome. I mean, I love it. they're smart people. Sometimes you're like, you're good at sports and you're smart. That's not fair. <laughs> Double dipping, right? I think they got <laughs> yeah. both their blessings. But That's yeah, right. I was fortunate enough to be uh, drafted my junior year of college uh, by the Chicago Cubs. One thing I absolutely love about the Cubs is that they had free therapy for all of their minor leaguers, right? Which is wow. not in every, every organization doesn't have that. So I yeah. absolutely love the Cubs for doing that because it was huge for me and my healing. But yeah, I played uh, in Arizona, played in Oregon, played in Boise, uh, played in, uh, where else did I play? I played in South Bend, Indiana. So obviously the minor league life, you were moving around a ton. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was living the, living the dream, right? Playing the game I love and getting paid for doing so. That's very sweet of you to call it living the dream. But the other thing I know is that you're in kind of gross hotel rooms sometimes. And you're playing in a lot of cities and a lot of nights. And you're not with your people. So tell me how you kept up with your friends. Tell me how you kept up with your faith in this minor league life you had. Oh, yeah. It's definitely the grind. Don't get me wrong. And, yeah. and you're, not, you're not paid a ton, by the way, when you're in oh, the minor league. Oh, not even close to a ton. <laughs> so I was... Uh, Saving saving pennies everywhere I could, uh, I thought it was really cool because what I did was I would wake up in the morning and I would uh, read, I would you know write, I would talk to my family, yeah. my wife, I talked to my uh, my brother and sister who my wife was actually taking care of. Right, we had two teenagers in our house and we weren't even twenty two wow. at the time, so wow. it it was a lot. But that are your younger siblings? Yep, my my wow. younger siblings, Caleb and Cameron. But I mean, it was it was really cool for me to be able to have chapel every Sunday. We had. Ch- different chaplains that came in to give mm-hmm. the word, mm-hmm. which was fun. And we also had a, a league-wide chapel service where different major league players would get on and share their faith, and we'd be able to watch those videos, which, yeah. which was really cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about, I would imagine there's a lot of our friends who have experiences similar that you're drafted, you play for years, and but you don't get to play in the major leagues. And so your dream has to shift. What was that like when you were having to – readjust where you're I mean it was just last year it was 2019 correct yeah just last year was my last year um, playing and I got released in spring training and actually my bible study yesterday we were talking about this my little small group we have in my church about a time where you know we were getting pruned in our life into a different season of our life into you know what God's called us to do and you know initially I was super scared you know I'd I'd been speaking in the offseason for the last four years uh, but I didn't know if I could be able to support my family doing that. Right. I feel like this is what I'm called to do, but I don't know if this is going to be able to put food on the table for me. Mm. And so I was super nervous at the time. But one thing about me, I said, you know what? I didn't say I would provide for my family only if I made it to the major leagues. I said, wow. I promised my mom, I promised my dad, you know, since they're gone, I'm going to provide for my brother and sister. I promised my wife, I'm going to provide for our family and our son. So I, I said, you know what? You got to figure something out. And then I, I continue to speak the way I do now. And yeah. God just kept opening doors left and right. And I've been blessed so far. Do you miss baseball? Yeah, I miss baseball. One one thing that's really cool is that when I'm not on the road, I'm usually traveling 100 to 125 days a year. But when I'm home, 
I get to uh, work for a minor league baseball team, the Charleston River Dogs, as the director of community outreach, which is really cool. Okay, do you know my friend Kelly's dad is one of the ushers at every game for the River what? Dogs? Yes. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And yeah. I've definitely met him then. Yeah, I'll have to connect. I'll have to check in with her and get her to connect with him with you so that y'all can meet. But, yeah, I mean, I love the minor leagues. Their, their Nashville sounds are so fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's definitely an experience and it's fun and it's family friendly. So I, mm-hmm. I, I love the minor leagues as well. I just wonder, like, talk to our friends who are listening that have had a dream die but haven't seen the other side of it where something resurrected, where something came back, where where the next opportunity came along. And that window that, you know, the week after you're released or when you're not sure what's going to happen and you've got these people, your family that you're caring for, what was the hope in that window of time? Yeah, for, for me, it, I was a little bit different because um, after my parents passed away super young, I just, I knew it's either sink or swim. And I kept saying to myself, you know, this doesn't happen without me being able to, you know, have the strength that I need to carry on. And I would pray and I would cry and not know what the heck I was doing, but the Lord always provided. And so I had a certain level of confidence, even though I was nervous and anxious mm-hmm. that God was going to lead me through it. But a lot of people, they say, you know, I chased this this one thing and it didn't work out. And so mm-hmm. nothing else is going to work out in my life. And I think that is the devil trying to just beat us down because if one thing doesn't work out, it doesn't mean that there aren't 47 other doors that are wide open for you to just walk through and, and, and flourish in them. But we see one closed door sometimes and we think that's the end of our journey. Uh, but God has always shown me that, you know, even though it's not the plan that you thought, Chris, I've still got a plan for you in, in your life. And so that's that's what I've seen so far. And you're traveling like 130 days a year speaking? Yeah, last year I had 67 engagements um, where I was traveling. This year, I think I had <laughs> I had 20 in the month of February, and then March came and coronavirus yeah. came. And so I've done 38 virtual engagements since then. But now I'm starting to travel back again, which is yeah. just really fun, just being super safe and doing so. Hey, friends, just taking a short break from today's episode to give a shout out to our partners at Grove Collaborative. Running to the store has been kind of stressful lately, and there's nothing worse than forgetting something on your list. This makes me want to lose my mind and needing to make multiple trips. Shopping for home essentials should be easy and convenient. It should be, and it can be. That's where Grove Collaborative comes in. Grove is the online marketplace that delivers healthy home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. Grove Collaborative takes the guesswork out of going green. Every Grove.co product is guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet. I got several Mrs. Myers products in my box that I use at home and that we use at the office, helping us keep everything clean and helping keep the team safe and healthy. On top of knowing we're using eco-friendly products, they smell amazing. That lemon verbena scent is heavenly. With Grove, you don't have to shop multiple stores or search endlessly online to get all the natural goods you need for you and your family. Join over 2 million households who have trusted Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. Plus, shipping is fast and free on your first order. For a limited time, when my listeners go to grove.co slash sounds fun, you will get a free cleaning gift set plus a free shipping with your first order. So go to grove.co slash sounds fun to get this exclusive offer. That's grove.co slash sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Chris. 
tell me about that, what you, what it was like for your family. So in your house, it's your, am I correct? It's your wife and your son and two of your siblings. Yeah. So my sister's in college now. So she's, okay. she's pretty much grown in her eyes. So she's, <laughs> she's, uh, <laughs> she's in college. Uh, my brother's 17. He's a senior in high school. He still lives okay. with me and my wife. And then my son, CJ, uh, and then my wife, Mariana. Okay. I just need people to go look at your Instagram and see CJ because he's adorable. Yeah. He's awesome. He, yeah. He's in the, the, the phase of doing everything himself right now. He's three this morning. We got him dressed for daycare and he's like, daddy, I got it. Puts his pants on backwards. Doesn't want me to change it. So it, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Tell me. So during quarantine, what was it like having everybody home? What would, and, and having your job again, truthfully two times in a year and a half, where the job you thought you were going to have is not the job you end up getting to do. Yeah, for me, I've always said when it comes to, you know, just business or life, you got to obviously survive first, right? You make your coronavirus budget. I think I did like 20 of those with my wife just to make sure we're okay. <laughs> after, you, after you survive, you kind of like adapt. Okay, what are we going to have to switch up in our lives? How do I do the thing that I, I'm passionate about, thing I'm called to do in a different way? Um, and then lastly, you thrive. So you survive, adapt, mm. and thrive. And so... The 38 virtual engagements have just been for me saying this is what the space looks like now. And so I'm going to serve in any way possible that I can. Um, and it's, it's gone really well. And I think it's been really, really good for my marriage, me being home for six and a half months. Right. Not traveling really? as much as I usually do. And I've yeah. seen like a lot of people are, you know, stressing out being with their spouse. And I'm like, man, this is this has been awesome for me to be next to my wife every single day for the last six months, waking up, taking my son to daycare every single day, which has been really cool. And it's been able to, we've we definitely thrived in this, this space. So for those, so I'm not married yet. So tell me when, I, so I don't know what it was like to be with someone that much, but what was it that made it so good and healthy for y'all, particularly being in your home with your brother, with your son? I mean, it wasn't like y'all were just getting to do whatever you wanted to. Yeah, not at all. But one thing me and my brother do, we have like a little like a little home theater type of room where it's a man cave. So we've been watching every single NBA basketball game. <laughs> game yeah. it's been fun. One one thing I usually don't do, I don't watch a ton of TV just because I feel like I'm guilty when I watch TV. I'm one of those weirdos, yeah. right? And so I yeah. I don't really do it too much. But now when the coronavirus came, I was just home all the time. My, and my wife is a TV junkie. She loves yeah. every show. And so we've been just crushing Netflix shows. We've been crushing, <laughs> you know, whatever is on Hulu or TV. Yeah, It's been really fun for us to do that because that's my wife's love language, just hanging out, watching TV with one yeah. another. And so it's been it's been great. OK, what have you all watched that you loved? Uh, I guess one of the things she's watching right now is a show called Girlfriends uh, on Netflix that my I guess uh -huh. my mom used to watch this when I was a kid and now she's she loves it. So she's wow. been watching it and she she she's enjoying it. We we also watch a lot of the uh, fixer upper type stuff. My wife loves that. Oh, sure. And uh, <laughs> we've been crushing those. Yeah. Um, I bet I would imagine one of the great things about being married to a woman that you were with in high school is she knew your mom. She did, which is which is really, really cool. We have pictures together that I smile about when I see all three of us together. Yeah. She heard my mom uh, preach at church before, which is really cool. Not too many people have. And I think it's 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 really cool to think about it that way. I don't even think about it a ton like that. But yeah, she she knew my mom really, really well. And so it's it's a blessing that she can teach my son about my mom as well as me. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just think that that is really sweet when you think about them watching the same shows. And 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 then I thought, oh, man, I yeah, they knew each other. That is so special. For sure. And so your mom preached at that church. Yeah. So my mom was a minister. She was actually the, the, the children's pastor for our church. And so we didn't have a ton of youth at our church. But what we did was every time we did, you know, my, my wife, my, my mom would go out and she would you know, we have a separate little building for our children's church and she would lead the children's church yeah. and I would help out. And and then she would, you know, preach at our church sometimes. And then at other churches, she would travel to in the area. Do you know what I love about that too, Chris? I'm sure you've thought about this, but her being in your children's book different, it's like she's, she's still ministering to kids. Exactly. That's one of the, the main reasons why I wanted to, to keep her in there as a, as a gift to you know, her legacy, but also just to keep things going the way she wanted them to. Yeah, because I just think, man, she I don't know that she could have ever dreamed that her story and her name, I mean, even the character name is the same as your mom's name, would be read to thousands and thousands of kids. That is what a cool legacy you've gotten to leave for her. Yeah, it's great to think about it like that. I, I haven't even really had that perspective, but I'm, I'm glad you brought it to my attention. Yeah. Okay. And your brother plays baseball too, right? He does. My brother just committed to play at Lander University, a division two school here, about three hours from our house. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. A lot of the juniors and, and seniors right now didn't really have their junior or senior year. Right. And so I was nervous about his recruiting process, but he kept his head down. He kept working and got them some offers and he made his decision. Okay. So why is baseball y'all sport? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I, I love basketball as well. I love football as well. But I think baseball for me growing up, I met my best friend playing baseball yeah. and then I just stuck around it with it. Right. I think one of my missions in life is obviously get more African-American kids playing uh, baseball the way I did and the way mm. this is the game I love. But when I was in Atlanta before I moved to Charleston, it was tons of little black kids playing baseball. Yeah. And so I want to definitely continue that mission um, and that challenge of, of getting kids that look like me and to play ball again the way we used to. I also grew up in Atlanta. I didn't realize what part of Atlanta were y'all in. Was that before sixth grade? Yeah, that was before sixth grade. So I was in Stone Mountain, so suburbs of Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, of course. I was in Marietta. Awesome. Okay. So I know right where you're talking about. Tell me why it matters to you to see young black boys and even girls playing softball. Why does it matter to you to see them stepping into that sport more? Yeah, I think uh, one thing for sure is that I want to, it's a sport that I love, right? So I want to see little boys and girls playing the sport that I love. And um, I think our, our numbers have gone down drastically in the in the majors as far as African-American kids playing really? baseball. Obviously, you know, our, our the Latinx community, my wife's actually from Brazil. Oh, cool. Uh, but I've got tons of, you know, friends that played from Dominican Republic, from Cuba, from Venezuela. And so we're, we're not lacking in that sense. Of, of people of color, but our African-American kids are, the numbers are dwindling. So I'm trying to mm -hmm. strengthen that and get that back to where I want them to be. And do you see, is that across all sports or is that a specific to baseball? Yeah, it's is specific to, to baseball. And I think the MLB is trying to do a, a good job of, you know, putting different policies into place or different, mm -hmm. you know, putting things or resources in communities that need them. Um, but we still got some work to be done. Uh, yeah. But yeah, definitely just in baseball. And I, I also read an article last week talking about how even though soccer is the worldwide sport, it's not played in the U.S. by by all kids. It's it's kind of taken this like you're either an elite, you know, rich neighborhood or you're not getting to play soccer. 
Yeah, I've seen that in, uh, you know, you got a lot of the club teams, but we got some really cool stuff here in Charleston, an organization called Kicking Racism, where they basically talk about, you know, unity and bringing people together using soccer. Uh, so th- I've seen some some pretty cool stuff come out of it. And plus, my, my wife's from Brazil. And when I traveled to Brazil, obviously, soccer is this the sport there. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so my son loves baseball. He loves soccer just as well. The thing I didn't know about baseball until I started watching my Vandy boys up close is it is so strategic. I mean, yes. every play is so – you just think they're trying to hit a home run, and they're not always trying to hit a home run. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a chess, not checkers kind of sport. Yes. Um, when they're playing, it's different things that the pitcher is trying to do when it's when the, when the batter may be thinking one thing. It's definitely a mind game. Now, there's two of you, Chris Singletons, who played professional baseball, and so Wikipedia has you pretty mixed up. But <laughs> is it true that you played center field? That is true. I'm glad you said that because people always are like, Chris, you know, you're 47. You do. I'm like, yes. whoa, whoa. Yes, not- Wikipedia says you're 47. I was like, my man is not 47. I I know enough to know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's hilarious. So I'm glad you actually, um, you, you recognize that because some people don't. But and yeah, that's funny. So- I mean, yeah, it's wild. So you were center fielder. What's your brother play? My brother plays center field as well. He also plays shortstop for his high school and he pitches here and there. Oh, okay. You got a talented brother on your hand. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah, he 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 loves it, and he he thinks he's better than than I was, and I got to hear about that every day. But I always <laughs> give him a hard time. <laughs> You're like, yeah, call me when you get drafted. Then we can have exactly. a conversation. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay, so now you're writing. Uh, you've written a second children's book. Your life matters is what it's called, right? Yes, it, it, it's just uh, I actually just released that information to everybody. Um, I'm super excited about this and. Basically, this is a, a a story for black kids, uh, kids everywhere, but especially towards black kids, letting them know that their life matters, no matter what mm. they have heard before, no matter what they haven't been taught before or what the, you know, they may see on TV, whatever it may be, want to let them know how important they are in, in this world. I think is, this first came to me uh, when me and my editor, same guy, David, were talking and uh, I watched a video of a little kid who was shooting basketball hoops um, and then kind of got scared when a police officer drove by and that kind of broke my heart a little bit and he hid mm. away from the police officer and I said, man, oh, I, I saw the same video and then the police officer yeah. walks up and speaks to the kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I, yeah. and I, I, I think, man, I want these kids to know how much their, their life matters because, you know, that, that officer didn't want to harm that kid in any way, but I think he was just scared for some reason. Yeah. I don't want them to be afraid. So that's what this book is about, inspiring them to let them know that they're their eyes matter for they can see a way when others see a wall, mm. uh, you know, featuring different black hero- heroes like Harriet Tubman, um, Barack Obama, different different people have, to have done great things in this country uh, that are African-American. I love that. And we are one of the things I want to make sure our friends know, and I, I'll say it multiple times today is that we can be a part of the Kickstarter, but only until only today. It ends today. And so we'll we'll make sure everybody knows to jump into that. Hey friends, just jumping in here one more time to tell you about another one of our amazing partners, Freshly. Since I've shared all my hashtag food blogger experiences with you over on Instagram, I need you to know that my friends at Freshly sure do make me feel like the real deal. They understand that food needs to be delicious and healthy and simple because let's be honest, if it's not easy, I won't do it. I mean, how long did I have the Instant Pot before I used it, right? And if it doesn't taste good, I won't eat it. 
And with Freshly, you can avoid all the time spent wandering the aisles at the grocery store and simply enjoy fully prepared dinners delivered fresh, not frozen, right to your door. I don't know about you, but I am here for food that comes to my door. The chefs and nutritionists at Freshly do all the hard work. Thank you, chefs and nutritionists. So all you have to do is heat up your three-minute dinner and it is ready. You can choose from recipes like Better For You Golden Oven Fried Chicken. Y'all, it's so good. And they've got creamy springtime risotto and fall apart tender beef brisket. And those are just like a few of their healthy conscious options, y'all. Join almost one and a half million satisfied customers and skip the shopping, prepping, cooking, and cleanup. Freshly is offering our friends $40 off their first two orders at freshly.com slash sounds fun. Again, that's freshly.com slash sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Chris. Chris, we're we're working hard here at That Sounds Fun, and my listener friends are working really hard to be learners, to be advocates, to be allies for our friends, to be anti-racist. Tell me why you are talking to kids. Why does it help to talk to kids about this in like a book form? Yeah, I think uh, one of the main things that I want to do as far as, you know, writing children's books and my mission has always been unity is because I think that we are so we're in a great space to teach. Right. And you don't have to be a teacher or an educator to be able to teach kids the right thing. Mm. Um, and hopefully in these books that I'm writing, it's it's an opportunity for parents uh, to teach their kids to, to love people no matter what they look like or what first language they speak, because we didn't choose those things ourselves. And so that's really the, the main message behind doing this for children. Mom was an educator, father was an educator, and I'm trying to teach even though I don't have an education degree. I'm just trying mm. to serve the best way I can to bring people together. What happens in a family when the kids are reading books like this? Yeah, I think we've, we've seen this. A lot of p- parents are at home with their kids right now, whether they're reading something, you know, whether the teacher's reading something and the parent hears it. But I think when kids are reading stuff like this, it allows parents to to dive into a conversation with their kids about um, people that are different than them, people that yeah. come from different backgrounds than they do. Yeah. Uh, and it gives them an opportunity to, to talk about things they probably wouldn't have talked about. And they can feel comfortable doing so because it's in a book form, right? It's in a, yeah. a great story. That makes me, I know we're jumping around, but that makes me want to jump back to your book, Different, because the main character in Different, the little boy, is from Nigeria, and he shows up in an American classroom. And tell me, why Nigeria? Did you have a connection specifically to that country, or what made that the kind of the precipice for this book? Yeah, it's it's a real funny story. So in Atlanta, um, there was a buddy in my class whose name was Obina Ibebunjo. Mm-hmm. And I've never forgotten that name. If, yeah. I got, if you got teacher listeners, you know that there's some names you will never forget, right? Yeah. So Obina Ibebunjo was his name. And, and I, I was writing this book and I wanted my kid to be from a different country, a different place. And I said, you know, somewhere in Africa, Nigeria. And I said, wow, I wonder if I can ask Obina from elementary <sighs> school, if I can find him on Facebook or something, if I can use his <laughs> name. And so I, I reached out to Obina, had a great conversation with him. And he said, Chris, it'd be an honor for you to use my name in this story. And that's why we went with uh, Nigeria and Obina. Chris, that is wild. That's, I mean, what an honor. He must absolutely love that there's a whole book with his name in it. (laughs) 
For sure. And it's really cool to see, you know, social media is still allowing me to find people from elementary school. That's the coolest thing about social media. I think when you find people from that, you were like, man, I wonder if I can find them. Boom. There they are. Yes. Yes. Listen, as a single girl, it's very helpful, Chris. It's very helpful (laughs) (laughs) that we can find people. One of the things I love, you know, every Monday night, I read a good book on the mini BFF book club. And one of the things I love that you're illustrated that I'm sure you spoke into is every page that has the whole class there are every shade of kid, every shade of hair. I mean, like all the kids are so different. Was that intentional? That was 100% intentional. And we actually went back and forth on that to make sure we got uh, different shades and yes. uh, shapes and sizes because I definitely want every single kid to feel like they're represented uh, in every story. But yeah, that's that's one of the main reasons why I did so. My friends who want to mail me books to read for Mini BFF Book Club, you can they can always know that the ones I'm going to love are the ones where I can open a page and say to the kids on the other side, hit the little heart button if you see a kid that looks like you, you know, because we have so many different kids who watch that I love when the illustrations show that a classroom can be so diverse with so many different kind of kids. I love that you do that for sure. That's awesome. Tell me about Your Life Matters. Is it set in a classroom setting like this when you bring in, because it has all the heroes in it from, from, uh, history, but does it also have a bunch of different kids in it? Yeah, so we we will have different kids in it, but it's mainly structured towards a kid that is basically question questioning does their life matter. Um, so, it. yeah, that's that's mainly uh, where where it'll be set, but there will be some different classroom scenes as well. Yeah, where does your? I mean, you're you're different. The only one I've read so far is not outwardly a faith book, but obviously you can. It feels like the undercurrent is a faith undercurrent because the subtitle is a story about loving your neighbor. I mean, Jesus is inside of the work you are doing. Uh, Where does your faith meet this public work you get to do? Because when you're talking to Vanderbilt, when you're talking to all these different big groups, you don't necessarily get to talk about your faith. But how does that inform the rest of what you're doing? Yeah, one of my, one of the things that I that I talk to with my agencies that kind of book me to speak is I always say, is it okay for me to share my faith, right? Mm. And some organizations, some companies, they say, Chris, we know you're a man of faith, but you know you can't share it here. Yeah. Um, but that never stops me from from doing so. I, I always share my life and my story and my passion, and I may say a scripture without saying it's a scripture, right? I, I learned that trick from a pastor. He said, Chris, yep. you can you can say this really cool quote came from a really <laughs> famous book. Share that scripture that means a lot to you. So I do it in ways like that. Um, But I definitely try to be respectful because I want this message to get out to everybody. And if somebody says, Chris, you, you know, you you can't share that here. I'm still going to share it, but not in the way that's going to be disrespectful to anybody's beliefs. Yeah. A famous man once said that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I love it. My, I would also wonder about when you're, when you're a man of faith, and you're speaking to all these different people. I mean, all they have to do is search you and realize that if there's something deeper they have questions about, that they can say that to you, that there's that you are a man of faith behind your public speaking. Definitely. And, and a lot of times, um, you know, whether it's students at a school or um, people that are at an organization struggling with their faith, they're in a, in a, in a crossroads in some some shape or form. Uh, they'll, they'll ask me straight up. They'll ask me, Chris, you know, did your faith play a role in you getting through what you've gotten through? And I can't lie to them. I have to say that it did. It, yeah. it did. And it still does. And it's huge in my life. And so whenever somebody asks you a question, it's always, 
you know, free game for you to be able to share your heart and your passion. <laughs> That's with right. When they open the door, we get to walk right on through it. <laughs> exactly. You know how it is. I'd love for you to preach at us for a minute. So I'm going to ask you a, a maybe a challenging question, but I want you to tell us the truth. Why is it pro-Jesus to be anti-racist? Pro-Jesus to be anti-racist. Why is it pro-Jesus? Yeah. Why is it a faith move to be anti-racist? Why does, where does the scripture meet up with that? Yeah, I, well, first and foremost, I'm 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 no pastor by any means, but you're I about will to pastor us though. Let's go <laughs> in, in, in every single shape and form that I I can. But when I think about Jesus and I think about Jesus loving us and, and dying on the cross for us, I always think about people that were you know saying things about him, were laughing at him, were, uh, were were making fun of him, and I think about you know Jesus saying, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." And I'm thinking about people in our history uh, that have you know, done really, really rough things. Mm. And I think now people are saying, Chris, I shouldn't be ridiculed for those things. And I'm so big on forgiveness, but in order for us to forgive, we need to love one another. Mm. You know, I think when I, when I have this, this, this saying, you know, love your neighbor as yourself or love is stronger than hate uh, that I try to share. That's all comes, that all comes from, you know, the word of God. Yeah. Um, and so when people say, you know, Chris, I, I have black friends or whatever they try to say to try to combat those things. I definitely think we need to be empathetic because if we're truly Christ-like, we're going to love people and we're not going to allow people to hate someone else based on things they can't control or things that, that God has given them, like their skin color or like their hair texture mm-hmm. or their first language, right? We didn't choose those things. And so if you're a believer, you have to make sure that at all times you are anti-racist and you're not just saying, well, I've got a person of, of this culture that's a that's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. What voices should we, particularly black and brown voices, what voices should we be listening to that that you really respect and and feel like are people that are that could teach us a lot about making sure we're doing our part to learn and be anti-racist and to be for our neighbors and love our neighbors well? Yeah, I think there's a ton of uh, people that you could you could say that are huge political figures or and or just really famous people. But a lot of times people don't, they automatically write somebody off because they're famous or they, mm-hmm. they automatically write somebody off because of the following that they have, um, which I don't agree with. But for every single person that's listening, they there is a nonprofit organization that is grassroots in your community that has uh, black and brown people that are leading the charge and making sure that people are, uh, you know, being supported in equal ways uh, that are that there's there's anti-racism going on or being taught in your community. So I don't want to just say a, a specific global organization that's doing so, but I want to challenge people to look up somewhere, look up an organization in your direct city, in your town uh, that is supporting people of color, supporting people that are trying to be anti-racist. Um, so I challenge you guys to do that. I know in Charleston, we have a, we have a couple and I'd love to cha- challenge somebody to look where they're at to do just as well. Uh, that's a good word. That's a really good idea. Thank you for that. Is there anything we didn't talk about today that you want to make sure we cover? Um, I think the only thing I, I'd, I'd, I'd want people to know is that I continue to speak, even though, you know, things are a little bit different right now with yeah. COVID and people are being safe, but I've done tons of virtual events. And for me, I do zero marketing. I don't send out this or send out that. It's all word of mouth. People that say, Chris, we need that that message of unity, that message of overcoming. So if somebody wants to hear that message for their organization, their church, their their small group, whatever it may be, they can do so at chrissingleton.com. 
I mean, that's how we got here, isn't it? That one of your, you didn't do any marketing. One of your friends <laughs> sent me a book and I loved it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think that's, that's the best way when things grow organically, it's a little bit slower, a little bit tougher to do so, but uh, you reach the people that need to be uh, reached, I feel. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm really thankful that you made time to be on here with us today. And I want our friends to jump over to your Kickstarter before it expires and make sure they get to get a copy of your Life Matters. Chris, we do ask one final question if you're ready for it. The question is, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what y'all do for fun. What we do for fun. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, right now, me and my wife are doing something. I, I fell for an Instagram ad. I fell for one of them. <laughs> and I bought this thing called the Adventure Challenge. It's a book of like okay. simple, cheap dates that you just scratch off and you see a really cool idea for a date. We just did uh, cooking without, I couldn't, I had to be blindfolded, right? I had to be <gasps> uh-uh. blindfolded. And we had, we cooked a sweet potato pie, my favorite pie. My wife had to walk me through it with my blindfold on. <laughs> Which, which was a ton of fun. We also play uh, baseball in the backyard with my son. He loves sports. I'm yeah. thankful God gave me a son that loves sports. I hope that he continues to. And other than that, you know, we just watch watch sports. I'm a, I'm a big sports junkie, so I can't lie. I, I love sports, and I do yeah. so my, my family all the time. Who are your teams? So I love the Cubs, obviously, because they drafted me. Got no choice there. <laughs> but I, I, I'm a huge LeBron fan. Um and I'm rooting for the Houston Texans because I just I got to speak to their team a couple weeks ago, and I'm I'm rooting for them this year. Okay, do you think they have it? Do you think the Texans have it in them? Uh, they're starting off a little different than I was was hoping, <laughs> but I, I definitely I definitely believe in them and their leadership. Listen, I just talked to Lecrae about this last week too, but I, we can't even talk about the Falcons. They are breaking my heart left and right. Ooh, yeah, and they just yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that statement. <laughs> As an Atlanta girl, I'm a Falcon, even though I live in Nashville, Falcons, Braves, the old Thrashers, those are all my teams. But man, the Braves are still doing fine. But man, the Falcons just break my heart over and over. And I think they've got a good team. They just got some bad breaks thus far. That's very kind of you, Chris. But (laughs) (laughs) they have, it feels like, let's talk about your sweet potato pie. It feels like they have all the ingredients, but maybe the (laughs) cook has a blindfold on. Is that? (laughs) Oh man, that that that's a great analogy right there. I like that <laughs> illustration too. That that may be it right there. And it's just not turning out as delicious as your situation did, as your sweet potato pie did. <laughs> okay, before we go, tell tell me one more time, or tell me a little bit about why it's important to still be going on dates with your wife. Well, I mean, we we are still young for one. We've got a young family with a lot of responsibility at only twenty four years old. With yeah, big big family and taking care of people that are just a little bit younger than us, but um, I count that as an opportunity. And we also have our her, her parents here that are still here that allow us to go on dates. But whenever we can still connect with one another um, and go out and hang out, there's nothing like it, right? And I think yeah. growing with one another has allowed us to be better parents to our son, and better people in the world. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you for saying that. I just always think it's a good reminder to remind our friends who are married that, that Dayton doesn't stop once you're once you got a ring on it. No doubt. (laughs) Yeah. Chris, thanks for doing this. I can't wait for our friends to grab a copy of Different, follow you, and to bring you in to speak to their groups. I just think you're a real important voice for us, and we are on your team here at That Sounds Fun. If there's anything we can do, just holler at us. We're for you. You're so awesome. Thank you for having me. Man, my pleasure. Oh, friends, wasn't that special? What a great dude, and what an incredible story, and 
I'm so glad we get to be a part of honoring him and his mom and his story. And don't forget to check out Chris's Kickstarter for his next kid's book. I've already joined. It's already green. It's already go. So all you should do is jump on board so you get some of the special extra stuff. So head over to that. There's a link to it in the show notes below. And make sure you follow Chris on Instagram. Tell him thanks for being on the show today and how much his story mattered to you. And you got to check out his Instagram because his kid is so cute, y'all. Oh, my gracious. Hey, if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And if you get a chance to rate and review the show and you haven't done that before, that would mean a lot for you to head over to wherever you love to listen, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review and say why you love the show. That would mean a lot. I think that's it for me today, friends. Hope you have a great weekend. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. And we'll see you back here on Monday with one of my favorite novelists. I'm going to try to be cool about this. Karen Kingsbury. Y'all, she's here on Monday. You're going to love it. Y'all have a great weekend. See you Monday. Monday.